Palmer Bear on the edge of the box. Oh, it's a straight-up screamer! Download our app today and enjoy straight-up screamers this FIFA World Cup with great odds, great promos and same-game multi at Palmer Bear. Gamble responsibly. For gambler's help, call 1-800-858-858. For logbook servicing you can rely on, you need to make the right choice. You need trained professionals who are fully qualified to service your car according to manufacturer's specifications. For real peace of mind and a nationwide warranty, book in or book online at repcoservice.com. The panel. Yeah, great panel this morning with uh, Brad Lewis and Guy Havelt and uh, it's a look back on sort of a day really, uh, the weekend that was and uh, it just continues to keep happening with Scott McLaughlin this morning, Ryan Fox overnight. Uh, the, the fine performances uh, that we can uh, reflect on along with uh, these two gents and uh, Guy, I'll start with you if I can please. Uh, the Eden Park performance uh, by the All Blacks was I think quite outstanding and uh, in view of what we probably expected with the build-up, etc., and the fact that Ireland gave them a, a touch-up last time round. Morning, Smithy. Uh, morning, Brad. Slick, I would say, Smithy. It was, it was outstanding, wasn't it? Um, they, they were... I, Ireland came out strong to start, but as soon as the All Blacks kind of got into their groove, there was really no turning back. I was just thinking about it before. There wasn't really anyone that you would single out as, as maybe having a... Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> sorry, I'm just, uh, just getting out of another room so I go into a quiet room. Uh, you wouldn't think about anyone who, who wasn't who was really off the pace. Everyone had a superb game. Um, I thought Bowden Barrett uh, stepped up particularly when when he really needed to, having uh, been outplayed by Richie Maunga in the Super Rugby final. I thought Artie Savier and Sam Kane were fantastic. Uh, yeah, as I say, I thought the team overall was superb. And uh, one other thing, Smithy, and, and you would have noticed it being there as well, is an Eden Park sold out, seeing, you know, 90% of people wearing uh, the same colour, that being black, uh, just an absolutely mm. superb sight. I know the stadium gets a lot of stick, uh, but when it's a full, a full crowd, a, a sold out Eden Park, uh, there's not much better in this country. No, you're right. Uh, it did look special. Uh, I was there in 2011. Uh, guy when uh, Ireland won there, uh, but they beat Australia uh, in that World Cup oh, match there. So that was <laughs> about 11 years ago, and I remember that, mate. That was a sea of green. Yeah, that was an unbelievable night, wasn't it? Um, just the, that, that, was, that was up there with the loudest I've ever heard at Eden Park. And, and as you say, not mm. even a New Zealand team anywhere near it. That, that was an incredible night, and the singing and that sort of thing that came out of that. And just on the topic of singing, and I'm going off on a bit of a tangent here, but it was beautiful to hear the Tadeo version of, of the national anthem uh, sung loud and proud by nearly everyone in that stadium on Saturday night. It's uh, taken a while to get to that point, but it was it was bloody nice to hear. Okay, cool. Um, there was uh, plenty of emotion too um, at uh, Mount Smart. We'll start. Uh, we'll, we'll get to that shortly with you, Brad Lewis. But first of all, your reflections on the All Blacks. Oh, I, I just agree with 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 Guy and, and good morning to you guys. Uh, great to see Aaron Smith play with like the reins off. It felt like he he was released uh, from the shackles that have been on him the last few years, and I, I thought that made a massive difference. And Artie Savier outstanding. Sam Whitelock had a great game. Uh, just really impressed. And and Slick, I think's the right word. Uh, I don't know if there's 25 points between these two teams. I think it's closer than that. But uh, a, a great performance from the All Blacks. Yeah, I totally agree, actually. Um, it was 20 minutes between the two teams for my uh, side of things, Brad. 20 minutes of all-black, um, a, a blitz, really, given the opportunity. Mm. Uh, but Ireland's second-half performance uh, was, was uh, I'd say, almost dominant when you look at the, uh, the scrambling defence the all-blacks had to pull off. 
Yes, but in saying that, also impressed with the All Black defense, given that the back end of last season that was a major concern. So I thought their defense in the red zone was was excellent on Saturday night, and that that's, that, that's a good push for uh, what's going to be a pretty tough season, given what I saw from Dave Rennie's Wallabies. Man, th- those guys are looking really, really good. So, guy, can we leave Ian Foster alone for a while now that uh, you know we've come up with this first up performance and look forward to this year rather than look forward to blaming him for something else? <laughs> uh, it's a very good question. I, I look. I, I think. I think we can. I think Ian Foster has had a pretty rough trot in terms of COVID in the last couple of years. I think this is probably the year where everything seems right. Largely, yeah, there are going to be the odd COVID case here and there, but it's not going to wipe out a whole team. They won't have to travel for an extended period of time. So this is the year where I think a lot rests on how the All Blacks perform. That was a strong start. Uh, it's not easy for Ian Foster this year either. They've got three tests against Ireland. Then they go to Africa and play two in South Africa. I mean, that is that is a bloody tough trot for this team. So if they can come out of that with, say, four wins out of five or even, dare I say, a five from five, uh, I think uh, that that looks very good for Ian Foster and the weight will somewhat be off his shoulders, I suspect. And Sam Kane as well, I would imagine, if he stays fit and playing and defending yeah. like he defended the other night. That was uh, quite... Uh, quite a performance, I, I thought, from a guy who seems to be under siege a hell of a lot. Uh, no, OK, let's uh, talk about being under siege. Uh, Brad, no one's been under siege more than the Warriors, Cameron George, Stacey Jones, Nathan Brown. There's a whole list of people that are probably looking forward to uh, the weekend uh, at, at Mount Smart Stadium, and it didn't disappoint, um, keeping the West Tigers trialless uh, and pleasing the fans greatly. Yeah, and stoked for the fans, Smithy, because they have suffered more than anyone in the last uh, 1,039 days, right? So uh, so happy for them that they're able to cheer their team out. I spoke to Cam George during the week, and he said, you know, it's like we've got our family back. And I, I think that we, we do need to cut the worries a bit of slack for the last three years, and certainly some Australian pundits have alluded to that, like... You take Melbourne Storm out of Melbourne for three years, and, and do they are they the most successful team in the NRL? Probably not. So, like, uh, why their performance has flattered to receive, and, and they they should be winning more than they are. Uh, I think it showed yesterday that what a home crowd can do, and West aren't the best team in the competition by a long way, but uh, but that's the best the Warriors have played um, for, for some time. Certainly defensively, they looked great yesterday. I've got to say, Guy, uh, I left um, Auckland on Sunday morning to come back to Hawke's Bay, but whilst I was at Auckland Airport, there were flight after flight arriving with Warriors jerseys on. Uh, people people from everywhere flocking uh, up to Auckland. Uh, and that was, a, I think that was a, my first sign, uh, just how, how big it was going to be at Mount Smart, and it didn't disappoint. Mate, I was rocking into work sometime, sometime between 9 and 10 a.m. yesterday, uh, and and towards you know getting towards town, there were a flood of Warriors jerseys at that time in the morning. Clearly heading to the restaurants or the bars or whatever just to get in the mood for the day. And then I didn't make it to Mount Smart. I was here in the office, but watching it on TV, it was actually quite special. I thought um, to see the emotion, the excitement, the the pure kind of joy, even relief, particularly on the players' faces. I think was was pretty evident to see and yeah they put out a very good performance look i i i think we need to um temper things a little bit uh it was the west mm. tigers they have to face the melbourne storm at home in a few weeks that's not going to be easy they're still not going to make the eight and they've still got a lot of things that need fixing uh but yesterday was a very very special day in the history of the club 
uh, and, and a day that, that um, I don't think anyone can begrudge them having considering what they've been put through over the last few years. It, it, it was really cool to see and, and I hope they can get a similar crowd against the Storm. That, that's the game that people should turn up to because it's the one that the Warriors will need the most support for um, and it's the Melbourne Storm. Why wouldn't you pay to go along to that? So yeah. Uh, awesome, awesome stuff all around, and I'm 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 very happy for the Warriors. Uh, I just don't think it'll change much of their season fortune, shall we say? Yeah, I think it'll have to be up to um, uh, the Auckland-based crowd uh, more so than the New Zealand-based crowd for for that guy. I think uh, for it to be a sellout again, I I'm not quite. I mean, this was a date on the calendar everyone had been waiting for and planning for, and could arrange trips around for a long time. Sure, the Melbourne Storm game is as well. But I think it, it, it's going to test more the Auckland fan base, isn't it? Oh, 100%. Absolutely it is. And, and, and we were actually talking about this in the office yesterday. Um, you know, there, there are that probably 60 70% of that crowd yesterday who are diehard Warriors fans. But then there are, say, the 30 or 40% who just wanted to be seen to be at the Warriors and be at their homecoming game. Um, and mm. so that will be the test. And they draw in those... 30, 40% of people who went along probably to their first ever Warriors game. Can they draw them back uh, for an even bigger game in a few weeks? Uh, That'll be their test. Okay, we'll take a short break here for some uh, news with Araha. And when we come back, uh, let's talk a bit of UFC, a little bit of IndyCar, a little bit of golf, uh, maybe a little bit of uh, Kyrgios as well. So uh, it's coming up 10.30 here on SENZ. Brad Lewis and Guy Havelt will stick around for us, thankfully. The Opinions, The Panel. Guy Havelt with us this morning is is, uh, Brad Lewis. And Brad, especially uh, for you, this uh, little clip we're about to play. This is uh, Israel Adesanya uh, before his fight over the weekend with uh, Jared Kananir and uh, his thoughts uh, specifically towards the New Zealand government. Take a listen to this. There's one thing I noticed from last week um, where you said you wouldn't fight in New Zealand. What would maybe make you rethink that? What would it take? Um, An apology from the people who were blocking us, the people who um, disrupted our bubble. After we already did it for the Costa fight, we did it and there was no issues. So the ones that came and disrupted our bubble and the ones that were following Dan around while he was trying to train to represent the country that he puts the f***ing country flag on his back for. Um, If we get a public apology from them and admitting that, oh yeah, we f***ed up. I don't think they've grown up enough to even do that because they can never admit they're wrong. I can always admit when I'm wrong and I'll own it, but you can never do that. You people in sports ministry of NZ, you're a f***ing disgrace. Well, uh, Brad, what'd you make of that? <laughs> well, uh, uh, the, the person that needs to apologize is the stuff reporter that was following Dan's uh, Dan Hooker around. But uh, look, at the end of the day, man, like that, that's Izzy being Izzy. And uh, I don't think we'll see... Uh, the reason that I don't think we'll ever see him fight in New Zealand again is not because he won't. It's because the UFC will never host a pay-per-view event in New Zealand with our market. Australia, yes, because they have a forty to 60,000-seat stadium that they can host outdoors. But Izzy's too big a name to fight in the New Zealand market anyway. So I kind of think it's a story that's been... Been overblown because unless Izzy loses three or four fights in a row, he's 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 too big a name. He's just he's arguably the biggest star in the UFC. He's too big a name to to fight uh, in New Zealand anymore anyway. So I kind of think it's almost like a non-story. It's a story that headline writers can grab onto, and I get that because I am a headline writer. But um, if you look deeper into it, uh, and if you certainly if you ask Dana White, it's it's not really a story. Okay, the story was about his performance in the ring following those comments. Mm. Uh, and on yep. his own admission, perhaps not his sparkle, uh, most sparkly performance, but still efficient enough? 
Oh, more than efficient. He was uh, he just completely outclassed Jared Cannonier for five rounds. One judge scored, giving him all five. And it's interesting. I was I was looking at a couple of the great champions of, of MMA and boxing last night, sort of looking at their records. And you know, Floyd Mayweather won eleven decisions in a row after he won the title. Muhammad Ali was a decision master. Anderson Silva and George St. Pierre, two of the greatest fighters of all time. Uh, I mean, GSP had nine straight decision wins as a champion. Uh, John Jones, five of his last six title defenses were decisions. When you are a champion, Alex Volkanovski yesterday, great fight, but went to a decision. When you're a champion, you're fighting the very best in the world. You are going to go to decisions against the very best fighters in the world. You're not going to be able to knock out every single person that you fight, specifically at middleweight. So, look, I, I think he did what he had to do. Um, yeah, was it an off night? Maybe, but he was still streaks ahead of Jared Cannonier. And the only challenge for him left in that division is Alex Pereira, who was amazing yesterday, has knocked out Izzy in the past in kickboxing. That is a great fight. Uh, and uh, whispers I'm hearing is that it might main event in Sydney in January. So, uh that would be uh, certainly a bucket list event to get over to. A Volkanovski too good for um, Holloway, yeah? Yeah, Max is, uh, uh, sorry, Alex is uh, is at the top of his game. Uh, he has just come along so well in the last three or four years, and he's turned from Smithy from like a, a ground and pound sort of uh, wrestler into one of the best strikers in MMA, thanks to uh, what he's doing at CKB with all the great strikers there. So, uh, yeah, uh, phenomenal performance. Uh, he is the greatest featherweight of all time. That is now undisputed. Okay, um, let's uh, pop across to you, Guy. Uh, he, he is uh, an interesting case, uh, Israel Adesanya, isn't he? And those comments, uh, I would imagine the sports ministry won't take a, a pay a lot of heed to them and he won't get the apology he's uh, seeking, but uh, he's digging his toes in in that regard. They, yeah, he, he won't get the apology, absolutely not. I think he's right to an extent. I mean, when Dan Hooker was photographed doing what he was doing, he was from my view anyway, doing nothing wrong. Um, he was opening his gym to go in himself and, and train himself for his heavyweight title fight. He didn't have, or his, sorry, his title fight. He didn't have uh, X amount of people around him or anything like that. I'm pretty sure it was just him on his own. Uh, so anyway, there was no issue with that. Uh, I think Adesanya has a point to an extent. I think he somewhat shoots himself in the foot by the way he goes about it and maybe puts some people offside, but that's who he is. Um, and, and he's not afraid to speak his mind and good on him in doing that. He won't get his apology, and Brad is absolutely right. The, 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 the bigger thing here is that Adesanya is, is an enormous global name. Uh, he, is, he is the biggest name in New Zealand sport, um, whether we like that or not. He absolutely is. He is a global megastar, uh, and the market here in New Zealand is just not big enough to, to suit him. So Australia, America is where he will always fight, uh, and we won't see him back here, and uh, that's because he's probably just got too big for New Zealand now. It's a great shame, actually, Brad, because uh, I'm just thinking about Forsyth Bar Stadium with the roof in Dunedin. The seats, are, you know, you, you look at the seats there, they're basically on top. They, you, they, you sit up the stairs and you look down on top of the action when it comes to, to a, a rugby match. That uh, is clearly not big enough capacity, but what a venue that would be for, for perhaps uh, a UFC at some stage. Yeah, before all of this, Izzy had suggested fighting Rob Whitaker at Forsyth Bar before COVID. So, like, that was something that Izzy had pl- had on his plan. He wants to fight in Africa, and he, want- he wanted to fight in New Zealand. And uh, I think, look, I- I- when push comes to shove, he probably could have demanded a fight in New Zealand. But now that um, he is where he's at, and this has all happened, then no. But I know we're going to talk about Nick Curry uh, shortly, but again, similar late. 
we want sports people to be themselves, right? We want them to be different. And Izzy is different. And he, he, he grinds my gears sometimes with some of the things that he says. But at the end of the day, he's being himself. And that's what we want in sport. We want these guys to be themselves and show their personalities. Uh, okay. Oh, well, well, I'll stay with you then, Brad, on, on Kyrgios. His latest outburst was uh, against uh, Tsitsipas, the, the Greek, uh, beating him in the end. And I, I just wonder whether that is part and parcel. I mean, is that a club in his bag? Is that a racket in his bag, his, his, <laughs> his outburst? Is, uh, without them, is he the same Nick Kyrgios as a player? I, I don't know. It's, I mean, so, so I rare that you ever see that. I'd love to have a coffee with that guy, right? Like, man, he'd be an interesting chap to talk to, to see what he's like away from the tennis court. Like, I think it's just him, and it's so, like, it's refreshing. And, like, uh, uh, you know, a, a friend of all of ours, Dave Worsley, uh, uh, said to me last week that, uh, you know, you, tennis has been crying out for characters for, for 20 years, and then they finally get one, and they don't want them anymore. So it makes no sense, right? Like, does he cross the line at times? Absolutely. But, man, is he appointment watching every single time he plays in Take all of the theatrics away from it. He dominated Sitsipas in that match. Like, you know, that was a dominant performance. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe we, are, we, we could be approaching an era where Kyrgios uh, sorts his stuff out and, and, uh, and becomes one of the top players in the world. And he's got a chance. He's got a, a decent draw uh, tomorrow morning. And you get to a quarterfinal and you're two wins away from a final and anything can happen. I would love to see Nick Kyrgios make the Wimbledon final. That would be amazing. Look, I, I, I'm with you on that, and, and I, I think tennis needs personalities, uh, the game as a whole. Uh, and I, I go back to the early days of, of McEnroe, and, and McEnroe was uh, synonymous with, with trouble, basically, but m- most of his was directed at the umpire. The thing that gets me about uh, Kyrgios, uh, guy is that he gets quite personal with his opposition players, and, and we've seen it with Michael Venus. We're, we've seen it now with Tsitsipas and others as well. They don't take too kindly to it, player on player. I can't get enough of Nick Kyrgios. I, I, I find it appointment viewing for a number of reasons. Um, one particularly is in terms of tennis and in terms of everything else that goes on around him, you never know what the hell is going to come next. And there is always something. There's always something that's going to keep you watching. And, and I find that just enthralling and gripping and something that can't be missed. Uh, look, I, I think Sitsipas was right to an extent in the way that he called, I think it was in the press conference afterwards, he said that Kyrgios was, quote, a bully. Um, I think he is to an extent, but even more than that, I think he is. he does it completely to get under the skin of the opposition. And someone like Federer, someone like Nadal, um, someone like Djokovic, they don't care about that. They just get on with their own business. These other players that he comes up against, the sits of passes, um, you know, other people who have complained about him in the past, past seem to let Kyrgios get under their skin and that is when he continues to do it he continues to um, you know uh, take it to an extra level because he knows that it's frustrating his opponent and it is hard and I sit here and I've never had it I've never had that experience uh, with Kyrgios yelling at me from the other end of the court but if you can mentally get over that and and that's what the likes of Djokovic, Nadal, etc., do well, then Kyrgios becomes, that factor of him becomes completely minor and he starts to get frustrated with himself and then his game falls apart. So it's a really, it's a massively fine balance in terms of how you handle it. And if you handle it the right way, then, then you can get in Kyrgios's head in turn. But if you don't handle it the right way, he's going to trample all over you mentally and then with his tennis game. Speaking of handling it and, um, you know, getting on with what you're doing, Ryan Fox is certainly doing that uh, guy. 
Uh, second place again, this deja vu. He was beaten in the playoff a couple of years ago by Russell Knox, who sunk huge putts. This time around, uh, beaten by uh, Veronk, who uh, at least uh, beat him by three shots. So uh, in that regard, he didn't have to sit around for a playoff, etc. But Ryan Fox is going through a real purple patch here. And, uh, 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 you know, they have form players, golfers like everyone else. British Open, not far away. Seven out of... Uh Seven top tens in his last seven starts, Smithy. He's on an absolute tear at the moment, and I made this prediction this morning, and I'll do it again. Uh, I think Ryan Fox will win a major in his career. He's got the game. Uh, if he can put that together for four rounds, he is a major championship-capable capa- uh, golfer. Um, I, I think he's, he's in the most exciting form we've seen from a New Zealand golfer, uh, barring Lydia Ko perhaps for some time. Uh, it's superb to watch. He's probably deserved one or two wins in the last few weeks to go with his win two or three months ago. Um, but, yeah, absolutely, get on board, watch him at St Andrews because I think that course will suit him superbly and I wouldn't be surprised, maybe not there, but uh, as I say, I wouldn't be surprised if we see Ryan Fox winning a major title at some stage in his career. Interesting. Well, if we do... Yeah, a good bloke too, Brad, you're right, isn't he? He's, uh, he's, he's terrific with yeah. the media too. Yeah, he's just a nice guy. It's great to see nice guys rewarded in sport. Uh, and I, I'm with I'm with Guy. Like I'd love to see him win a major. And I mean, like uh, the last three or four years, right? It's been a Ryan Fox story every sort of six or seven tournaments. Now it's a Ryan Fox story every weekend, and that shows that he's in form. We saw that with Michael Campbell in the lead up to his great form. Uh, when was that? 2005, 2006. And uh, look, I, I think Ryan Fox has 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 a great chance of 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 you know, achieving greatness and winning a major. That'd be amazing for New Zealand golf. Uh, just on to uh, my racing uh, two fellas before we finish. Uh, Scott McLaughlin uh, f- uh, wins his second uh, IndyCar race of 2022. I mean, we'd be talk- we would be thinking we'd be talking about Scott Dixon uh, all the time, but the Scott McLaughlin so early on, just his second year in, uh, Brad, uh, it's amazing performance. Yeah, and if he'd had a bit more luck this season, he'd, he'd still be at the, the top end of the championship. I think he's uh, jumped up to seventh now, um, and because there's, there's a lot of congestion in that ladder, uh, he's still a, he's still an outside chance of, of, of winning the championship without a, a runaway leader. I think, you know, Scotty Dixon's right up there still, still because he's missed the consistent. But, you know, um, I think looking back, Scotty Mack uh, will regret his uh, two weeks at Indy, at the Indy Grand Prix, Indy 500, where he was on for podiums, and uh, he made mistakes in both those races. But, uh, uh, look, he's showing his class, and uh, he's gonna. I think he's gonna dominate that series um, in the years to come. Won't be this year, might not be next year, but the year after that. Once he finds his feet, works out all these tracks, uh, and works out oval racing, uh, he he will uh, he'll be the total package when it comes to IndyCar racing. He's just he is such a talent. It's uh, it's crazy. We've got two of the very best drivers in the world racing in that series, and also you know I think Shane Van Gisburg could do the same thing if he wanted to. Uh, he he is as good as anyone in the world. So uh, we are we are privileged to be in a golden era of New Zealand motorsport. For sure, it's a golden era of New Zealand sport in the last three to four days. Uh, if you can put four days into one era, thank you very much to uh, Guy Havelt and to Brad Lewis uh, for your reviews, reflections on uh, what happened over the weekend. Top stuff, fellas. Uh, appreciate it. We'll have another panel tomorrow morning at uh, around about uh, twenty past ten. It's Ty Power's Big Footy final sale. To kick things off, you can get the power to buy three and get one free on selected Toyo passenger car and SUV tyres. Ty Power's Big Footy final sale can't last. Visit typower.com.au now.